Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Needlestack, a special live episode this week of the podcast for professional online research. Each week, we bring you discussions and relevant information and all sorts of things of interest to anyone who's out there using online research for their day-to-day -day work. I'm your host, Matt Ashburn, a former CIA cybersecurity officer, a current part-time pilot, and a full-time fan of open source research. And I'm Jeff Phillips, tech industry veteran and curious to a fault, Matt. Uh, that's right. And, you know, today's a special episode, as every episode is. Every episode is special, but this one is especially special because we're taking your live Q&A. We're actually live today instead of pre-recorded like we normally are. And so we're taking your questions and answers. So if you're listening live today, uh, that's today, April 12th. And if you're listening and you want to submit a question, there should be a Q&A box right there on your screen on the platform that you're listening on. Submit the question if you'd like, and we'll make sure to respond to it and uh, get you the answers, whatever they are, uh, that we might have readily available inside of our heads. Hopefully, we have something useful for you. And uh, actually, to celebrate today's live episode, Jeff, you have something to show off, I think, right? It's a specially I, branded coffee mug. I'm really impressed I, by this. I do. Can you see this, Matt? Can you see it? It's got needle stack on it. That's amazing. That is fancy. Isn't that fancy? Sadly, that uh, I think due to supply chain issues or, or some kind of conflict or something, uh, I did not receive a specially branded coffee mug, but I, I took a, a generic coffee mug here. And so I, I, I branded it myself with uh, my own needle stack logo with, uh, with my pen. I think so. that's perfect. I think that's perfect, you know, and <laughs> um, maybe we can talk to marketing. We can do something. We can, we can get you one of these. There we go. It's beautiful. Well, I appreciate it. Well, so the, so the audience gets to be curious uh, today versus me. And as you pointed out, they're, they're going to get the, to, to answer or we'll answer their questions. And so please, again, submit your questions in the Q&A box. Um, I've got a first one, Matt. So that's always a, a good a good start. And this question has got to do with AI. So the, um, what role uh, they say, what role can or does AI play in the OSINT intelligence life cycle and for all of us in this space, and will it replace humans in the medium term? Interesting, not in the long term, maybe long, but in the short to medium term. Um, what do you think about AI and OSINT? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good question. So um, there's a ton of information that's out there, right? And we've discussed this previously, lots of information's out there. Technology has evolved uh, to, to address a lot of the issues that we've had in the past with, with research, right? You can get information much faster and at a much larger scale than you ever have been able to do, right? And so it may be tempting to say, well, I can use artificial intelligence in some way, maybe to do some of the analysis as well, or maybe to, to gain some efficiency. I think there is a role there for artificial intelligence in OSINT, in open source intelligence, in online research, right? Um, 
it can collect and scan huge amounts of data, right? Which which is helpful, right? There's some also some other automation that you can do as well. And it can be useful in looking for anomalies, patterns, associations, uh, patterns that may be consistent with a, a certain uh, a certain uh, desired trait, whatever that may be. Uh, but it, it can't replace an analyst, right? The, there's still a great need to take that data, to take that information and convert it into intelligence and to do that, you really still have to have that human element that's doing the the so what, right? They're performing an analysis of some kind. Uh, they also are able to raise new questions uh, and take a look at information gaps. That's something that, that simply uh, artificial intelligence can't replace and, uh, and can't really perform successfully. That makes a lot of sense, right? So leverage it for sort of the mundane and to your point, going through the large amounts of data, but where the, exactly. the analysis comes in, they're not going to replace it, that. It's great at sifting through, great at helping to develop leads and, and use it where it makes sense, right? To, to gain some efficiency, um, you know, but but it can't replace the the analytic piece. And that's what the humans are, are still useful for. So they're not taking, they're not taking over yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. Uh, I've got another question here. Let's see, number two. Aha. So this is interesting. Uh, it says we've seen an explosion in amateur OSINT researchers since the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, that makes sense. We've certainly seen a lot of that, right? Lots of uh, folks on, on Twitter and, and, and forums on Reddit and Telegram channels and everything else looking for stuff. Jeff, mm -hmm. why do you think that is? And you, you point to two of the biggest, right? So so social media, I think, is is an obvious one right there, right? And and you mentioned Twitter and um you know, at this point I'm I'm getting as probably more of my information related to Ukraine uh, and the war in Ukraine um, from places like Twitter and Reddit than I am from traditional media just because of all the activity and OSINT that's going on there. But um so what, what's causing it? So we have social media available to us. Um, I think that allows you to kind of find um, people that have a similar interest. Um, I think there's a level, of, you know, in doing things like OSINT. Um, I think there's a level of digital activism uh, that people feel like they're able to come in um, and make an impact in, in, in a significant way. Um, we're also seeing, though, that traditional media companies. I mean, I've, I'm seeing the word OS, I've seen the word OSINT from you know places like the you know various newspapers in the New York Post. I even read an article where they've they've established an OSINT division or a department uh, to go out and do their own OSINT. And there's uh, all kinds of different um, media entities like Bellingcat that we were all familiar with that are getting a lot of attention in the news now. So, you know, people in my regular life um, are talking about it. Um, uh, so, so I think social media and being able to find each other and and work as a community in sort of a digital activist way is is one key reason. Um, but from a, another one, um, I think that's that's got a huge impact is the 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 number of satellites that are out there. So the, specifically, the proliferation of private companies that have launched and are operating satellites has made um, that imagery a, a lot more accessible to to you know the hobbyist, if you will, um, they can go and purchase images. Um, I've seen anywhere from like, you know, around 10 for $10, you know, when that satellite's going over a certain place. So in this case, we're talking about Ukraine, that you can go out and you can uh, purchase some of these images. And so we're seeing a lot more of that. There's, of course, all the um, intelligence that's classified. But in the case of here of OSINT, um, there's just tons and tons of satellite imagery that's out there now where people can get in and um, look to vet and and figure out what's disinformation, what's misinformation, and and leverage different tools to, um, you know, geolocate and and try to 
put together their um, what's true and what's not true. So I think, you know, those are some of the things. So it's been, you know, we saw some of this back in 2011 with the Arab Spring. We saw a lot more OSINT hobbyists out there um, in Syria in 2014. Um, but it has taken off um, and it's it's made the mainstream news here uh, uh, due to unfortunate events, of course, but here in 2022. That's a good that's a good question. Um, all right. Let me find let me find another one. Um, this one got submitted earlier. Um, I know we did a whole, sh our whole last sets of episodes were around OSINT. And someone had asked Matt, um, can you become, like I just mentioned hobbyist, right? But can you become certified in, in OSINT, um, you know, at, from credentialed, if you will? Uh, that's a great question. The answer is yes, but not really. And what okay. I mean, and what I mean by that, I'm not trying to wiggle out of the answering the question. But what I mean by that is that there are a number of really good classes out there, lots of really good training, but there is no single source for a certification, right? Mm. You know, if you're a, if you're a physician or an attorney or something like that, right? You can take your you can take your boards or pass the bar, and you're certified and, and licensed and all those things, right? There is no one single certification source for. Uh, for many disciplines, you know, cybersecurity being one of those, also for OSINT, there is no single uh, certification source, but there are a few courses that are out there and are, are sort of recognized in the community as being uh, of value in some way. And there are a couple of these certifications out, that are out there. Some things that uh, I would point folks towards, I would say, would be SANS, San, the SANS Institute, a great organization, been around for, for many, many, many years, and they have two courses that are, that are pretty useful. One is SEC, uh, S-E-C. SEC 487, that's Open Source Intelligence Gathering and Analysis. So think of it as an introductory course for OSINT. There's also SEC SEC 587, that's the Advanced Open Source Intelligence Gathering Analysis, so a follow-on course to that. Both of those are good complements, so an introductory course and then a more advanced course. I recommend uh, checking those out and seeing if those would be of value to you. Um, there's also a number of organizations like the uh, McAfee Institute, not the antivirus people, but a separate institute that does certification and training on a number of things. Uh, check that out, too. I know that they have a certified open source intelligence professional certification. So check that out and see if that would work. Um, the other one that I would think of would be Michael Bazell of Intel Techniques, so IntelTechniques.com. Uh, he has a number of training courses that are available there on his website, and they also have an open source intelligence professional, I believe it is, OSIP, O-S-I-P, certification as well. So there's a number of them out there, like you have with a lot of the professional um, uh, courses that are out there, right? So cybersecurity, mm -hmm. you have a number of these as well. So similar similar to that. Uh, there's not a single certification source, but many courses that are available, some with certifications. I'm going to have to look into that, get certified. There you go. Uh, let's see if I have one here for you. Uh, and by the way, again, as a reminder, if you're listening live today on April 12th, you can submit questions to us in the Q&A box that you see on your screen. Here's one from a caller or a viewer. Uh, first time caller. Uh, first time caller, exactly. Call we should do that, actually. We need to have a, a live call-in show. Maybe I can give out uh, the cell phone or something and have somebody call. Uh, I like that. That'd be pretty great. All right, so here we go. Um, is there a template or way of thinking that you should apply before beginning an OSINT investigation. So talking about investigations, different ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. Jeff, is there a single template or a way of thinking? What are some approaches there uh, for OSINT investigations? Okay, um, and so I, I like the focus on the first step 
um, you know, when so people are probably familiar with the OSINT intelligence life cycle, um, you know, and there's five steps to that. But that first step is around um, planning and direction. And, you know, I've had I've, I've asked practitioners this um, because I've, I'm interested also how you can, you know, how do you, how do you go out and set the stage here? And um, a number of them have highlighted how important that first step is really from a, you know, to uh, when I'm wanting to make sure you're productive and efficient. Um, so that's a key perspective of taking time on on planning and direction, um, as well as being aligned with other team members uh, up the stack with management um, in, before that before they get and start get started on on doing any investigation. And um, you know, if I kind of boil it down, there's not necessarily rocket science, but it does help if you lay out a template. The first thing being what what is the primary question you are trying to answer? Right? What is what is the the key question? If I, if I link this back to um, you know, we had the VIP protection um, uh, uh, podcast, you know, it may be that that first or the key question is, you know, do we think anyone's going to actually take action at the event, you know, where this VIP is attending, right? That could be the key question. Do we think anyone's going to um, uh, show up and, and actually um, look to disrupt or take any kind of action? Um, the next, the second thing is, well, what are important secondary questions, right? So that's the primary one, but the secondary one might be, um, do we know if that person has been out um, making any noise that they are going to attend? Um, do we know if they have any fascination with weaponry or something like that, right? So there, there's, a, you know, what are those sort of three, four, five secondary questions um, that are key? So we know what we're looking for when we're, when we're out there gathering information. And then the third one, which I thought was is, is interesting, is, um, you know, to, to make sure you set the stages, what what information would would be useful for me to gather um, that'll help support others, right, that I'm working with, maybe teammates or others involved in the investigation. Um, you know, if you're in law enforcement and you're the, the intelligence analyst, if it's with the detectives, um, you know, maybe that's a photo or what kind of car they drive, or th that, that types of supporting um, uh, OSINT that might help others, might not be directly related to answering your primary question, but you know that that would be useful to others involved in the investigation. So I think just setting up kind of basic like that. What is the primary question I'm trying to answer? Are we all aligned on that? What are the important top secondary questions? And then what other information would it be useful to gather if I come across it um, for others that are that are involved in this research or this investigation? Good questions, good questions. Um, let me look for um, another one here. So, um, oh, okay. All right, Matt, Matt. Um, the question is, is the dark web is mentioned as a resource, which it has been in a number of, of our episodes by some of our guests in particular. Um, the question is, is it illegal to access the dark web? Great question. So the answer is yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> There's probably there some, uh, some additional detail that would be helpful, though, right? So um, many times practitioners go on the dark web for a number of reasons, right? But many times it's for gathering data that may have been stolen in a data breach, uh, maybe for performing cyber threat intelligence or, or something similar to that, right? And this question actually comes up quite a bit. You know, what are, what are the boundaries of this and is this legal? Keep in mind, I'm not an attorney. Jeff, to my knowledge, is not an attorney either. I am not. Certainly, not, certainly not your attorney uh, at home, right? So uh, even if we were, we wouldn't be your attorney, right? So with, with that said, and with that, that caveat, uh, the U.S. Department of 
uh, U.S. Department of Justice actually uh, published a really good guide. So the Computer Crime and Intellectual Property Section, CSIPS, at USDOJ. They're within the criminal division. And they, they actually do a lot of uh, really good work in prosecuting cybercrime. So who else uh, would be better to give some, some advice in this regard, right, than the prosecutors that are prosecuting uh, cybercrime? Mm -hmm. And in the guidance that they've put out, and they, if you Google this, you know, CSIPS, CCIPS, and then uh, something like dark web, uh, you know, data breach, uh, collecting information, something like that, right? This will come up. And th they offer in there some, some general tips. And generally, collecting information in a passive manner, meaning that you're not participating in stealing it or something like that, that is generally not illegal. The other thing that they provide is you must access the information lawfully, right? So don't exploit a vulnerability or something like that. Don't use stolen credentials to then log into a system, right, without access from the system owner. Uh, some, some common sense stuff there. And the third thing that they offer was don't access information or do any kind of research by assuming somebody else's identity. Uh, don't, don't use a fake online persona mm -hmm. to gain access or participate in exchanging uh, money for things and that, that type of thing, right? Because uh, then you may get wrapped up in some kind of other investigation. All right, that makes sense. So if you're passive, but you can't, can't, you can't yep, fake absolutely. things there. If you're yeah. going on there trying to find information that's been stolen and you're doing that in a, uh, generally a passive manner where you're consuming the information, right? Uh, that's generally okay. But Got as it. always, consult with your attorney, not us, for, for legal advice. I'd like to be a lawyer, you don't, but you know. Yeah, you don't want, I don't think you want me defending you in a, in a court. Uh, I <laughs> don't know that I would do that well. So maybe yeah. you could take that mug and cross out needle stack and just write lawyer. On I'll put, put lawyer on here. Let's just let's scratch that out. There we go. <laughs> Good. Uh, all right. So let's see here. We have another question that just came in. And let me pull this up here. Aha. Ah, this person references. They said, uh, so the last couple of episodes, you were talking about different use cases within OSINT. Uh, are there industries that you didn't cover that people should be aware of that, that use OSINT? You know, who else is using OSINT that we that we haven't talked about? Great question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, OSINT is an official term. It, it obviously started off on the government side of things and, and uh, under all the ints, but um, you know, we're seeing it more and more applied on the commercial side of of, of the world. Um, so let's see. If I, I think back to the episodes, Matt. So we did we covered trust and safety teams, right? So those uh, those individuals that are um, leveraging online research, OSINT, um, uh, to protect or um, uh, help keep online communities um, safe for all of their users. We touched on cybersecurity, so OSINT's role there um, with our guest um, Adam Hinky around uh, cyber threat intelligence and enriching cyber threat uh, information, uh, as well as from the SOC perspective, right? So uh, out investigating um, around malware or phishing sites, and so there's uh, open source intelligence gathering going on there. Uh, we had the the session on VIP protection, so there, that was another one um, as a category, and. We also had a, a session around, um, basically around law enforcement. So that was another area for OSIN and, and government agencies in the intelligence and defense community. So we've, we've covered a bunch of those. Um, you know, other places where we're seeing um, online research play a key role, the banking and financial 
industries, right? So financial services companies, banks, um, dealing with fraud, um, anti-money laundering types of investigations. Um, that, that also leads into, um, you know, crypto types of investigations and dealing with crypto purchases and who sold who what. Um, so that whole space. Um, a lot in the corp, you know, if I think of general corporate research, um, this can, also can apply uh, to legal teams. So we know there are legal teams, whether that's intellectual property protection, uh, for example, um, where they're out um, uh, investigating uh, anyone that's, that's breaching their rights from that perspective. Um, there's even on the merger and acquisition front. So we see some M&A teams, you know, if they're out looking at, at certain companies that, that they might want to be um, acquiring and they want to, um, uh, they're out doing that type of, you know, OSINT and they want to make sure that uh, others are not aware that they're looking at that. Um, there's almost like a KYC uh, type approach or know your customer in terms of, uh, we see people doing uh, OSINT round partner or vendor vetting. There's of course, HR could employee vet, but um, if I think about it from the perspective of someone we may be partnering with or a vendor we want to use, and so I want to go out and gather some information about their business practices. Um, and the last one that comes to mind, uh, we do see a lot around um, brand abuse or brand misuse and fraud around you know things that are detrimental to my brand. That. I know we touched on counterfeit a bit one one episode, so counterfeit goods of mine. But if someone's typo squatting um, around my brand or has put out false, uh, you know, app, apps or Twitter accounts, social media accounts that are uh, uh, pretending to be uh, my organization, so that um, a lot of OSINT going on around the brand abuse, misuse types of, of use cases. So those are we covered a bunch, but those are some of the others that uh, were OSINT supplying. Um, uh, both on the government side and on the commercial side. Oh, that's great, Jeff. Uh, appreciate that. Lots of use out there for open source research. Uh, so glad to uh, glad to have that. It applies to pretty much every everybody that's out there. Every every segment mm -hmm. and every, every industry has uh, some need there to do online research. So and that's why we're here. That's why we have this podcast. One hundred. Yeah, that's it. Uh, all right. So uh, looking at the clock here, uh, we're just about out of time. So uh, we got to almost all the questions that folks submitted uh, to those that mm -hmm. we didn't get to. We'll, we'll reply back to you via email uh, if you submitted a question today and didn't get answered. We want to appreciate and thank all of those who attended our show today, especially to those who asked questions. Uh, you get extra points for the day. And as always, sure. you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch episodes on our YouTube channel and view transcripts and other episode info on our website at Authenticate. That's authentic with the number eight dot com slash needle stack. And by the way, uh, our next episode will be coming out on May 3rd. That's the week of Cinco de Mayo. So look for a special margarita flavored version of needle stack on May 3rd to discuss the dark web. We'll see you then. Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. 
The Silo Research Platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software as a service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number 8, .com.